if you read in Genesis or really any other part of the Scripture, we know that there is, uh, there is a, we have a triune God, a God who is one and yet three distinct uh, persons, three distinct uh, personalities. Sometimes it's been described um, that there is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is one of the basics, right, of Christianity. You must believe this kind of stuff or else really you're not a Christian, right? If you don't believe that Jesus is part of the Trinity, then, um, well, you're not a, not a believer, not a true believer. Uh, but anyway, and the Holy Spirit as well. But, um, but, but we know in this relationship here that there is perfection, right? That in this relationship there is perfect um, intimacy. There is perfect fellowship. There is perfect love. And I don't know if you can imagine this. I don't think I can. But imagine a relationship you had with someone where there had never been any misunderstanding. <laughs> there had never been any sin. You'd never been selfish with them. They'd never been selfish with you. This is the perfection that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit has always existed in before the creation of the world. And even to this day and for all of eternity, they will always exist or the God always exists in these three persons, always in perfect uh, harmony, always in perfect unity, always in perfect shalom, if I may use the Old Testament uh, word there, uh, Hebrew word. Um, and, and we know that the, some of, there are some of the words that are characterized about this, about this relationship that, we, that are either theologians have come up with or that, um, uh, or that are in the Scripture themselves. We know that this relationship between these, these three persons of, the, of our one God is, is, uh, can be described as Love, that there is love. The Father has love for the Son and the Son for the Father. We know that this also could be talked about. We see uh, theologians talk about a, a fellowship, or if I may use a word and kind of cheat a little bit here on, on what I'm going to be preaching about today, there's a, there's, there's a presence, a continual presence with each other, and there is a, if, I'm going to use the, if I may use the term, there's a continual abiding or fellowship that they have amongst themselves, and it's in perfect uh, unity and perfect harmony all the time, has always been, will always be. Um, and the, this is what characterizes this relationship that our one God in three persons enjoys. Uh, now, you remember um, before the fall, before the fall in the first part of Genesis, you remember there's this kind of astonishing um, um, uh, phrase. It says that, uh, that, that when mankind fell, that God was what? Walking in the cool of the day in the Garden of Eden and was actually with physically in the presence of his people. And so we have this relationship where the Father, and probably this is like a pre-incarnate Christ, right? If you do much theological study, probably think that this is actually uh, a pre-incarnate Jesus the Son walking there in the coolness of the day. Uh, but anyway, that not really so much for the discussion this morning. But anyway, God is walking with and being with his people. And there is a love there that is perfect because at this point, people had not sinned. Adam and Eve had not sinned. And so we have in this relationship between our triune God and people, we have also a love and an abiding where he is in fellowship with and actually in the presence of, I can't write and talk at the same time, there's a love and abiding between God and people and his creation. And this relationship could be said to be these things as well. There's a love and abiding. And you see what happens throughout some of the history of the, of the prophets. Well, I'm sorry, before I go there. What happens when people sin, then this relationship is not affected, right? But this relationship is. This relationship is broken, right? This relationship is broken. And the love and abiding that was there before 
has been broken by people's sin, right? Uh, Isaiah would talk about this, uh, that uh, your sins have separated you from God, um, and, uh, and, and, and we've been separated. So where there was a, uh, a relationship there, the relationship has now been blocked by a barrier where sin has kept us from God. Sin has uh, created a barrier between us and God. Okay. Now, what happens in, in the Old Testament through many of the prophets, especially Jeremiah and Isaiah, is they talk about a time where this relationship will be restored. Um, and and let, me, uh, let me see if I can help capture the grandeur here. Um, this is, what's happened here in the garden is worse than a tragedy. What happens in the garden is God, in, despite his love and, 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 and his creating his own creation, has, his own creation has turned his back on them and say, no, we're going to do what we want, not what you've lovingly told us, right? We don't care what you've said. We're going to go and do our own thing. Well, the same thing happens to Jesus, right? You just guys just read it in John chapter 1 and 1 John even chapter 1, where it says that the, basically that the creator, the one who was involved in all the creation, came to the world, and the world didn't accept him. The world turned its back on him, even though he was involved in the creation, even though the son even was involved in the creation, and he came to his own, his own did not accept him. And so we, we have this thing that happens several times in, 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 the, in the scriptures, but we see this problem where men have, people have a, a sin problem, and that breaks the relationship that we had with God. Everybody with me so far? There was promised in the Old Testament multiple times where, uh, where God was speaking through his prophets, and he says, I'm going to deal with with this problem. I'm going to restore what was lost in the fall. And he would tell it through prophets, and he would tell it through stories even that you and I read in the Old Testament. He would tell it through uh, the offering of Isaac. He would tell it through the, the temple and the tabernacle about this, this great plan that he had about this thing. And it goes for a few thousand years until something actually happens, maybe a little shorter than about, about 1,400, 1,500 years. And, and then ultimately something happens, and we're going to read about it today. He says, this problem that you have that you've broken a relationship with me, that you've gone your own way, that you've tread on my glory and my authority over you, I'm going to fix this problem. And this is the hope of the gospel. This is what the, Israel, the, the Israelites had been looking for and had been told about through, uh, through Moses and the prophets and the psalmists. For, for generations they'd been told about. And we're going to see it unfold a little bit today in what Jesus has to say in John chapter 14, please. If you have your Bibles with you, John chapter 14. We're going, to be, we're going to be in John chapter 14. We're going to be in verse 15. And before we jump in, let's take some time here. Let's take a moment and uh, pray. Would you all stand with me? We'll pray and then uh, and read the scripture together. Um, you know, I was preparing for the sermon uh, this week and, and really was, um, really was, I'm just really afraid. This is such, these are such heavy and huge concepts and such, but so important, uh, I, I really worry about whether or not we can get it. I worry about myself getting it. You know what I mean? Because this is huge. And, and if, we could, if we could come to understand the immensity of this, um, it would change the way we live our lives, uh, truly. Uh, all right? So we need the help. Um, uh, Jesus would talk about a coming counselor. We'll read about a little bit in here in just a little bit. He said, one of the jobs of the counselor, he will teach you. 
right? He will teach you and he will remind you of the things that I've said. And uh, we need the work of the Holy Spirit in us because, uh, goodness gracious, we're just not smart enough. We just don't get it. You know, God is huge and, and all that he does is grand and, and glorious and, and we just don't get it. It's just hard to comprehend. So let's ask him to, uh, to, to minister to us by his Holy Spirit this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come to you this morning, we do ask for your spirit of wisdom of revelation. We ask for your spirit who would teach us and remind us of the things that Jesus has said uh, to come and to be here present with us. Lord God, I, I pray that you would help us just to drown out those, the things of, 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 of the activities, the tasks that we have to do today, the things that we're trying to remember for this next week, uh, and just help us, Lord God. By your Holy Spirit, we, we pray that you would open up your word and that you would reveal to us the work of Jesus Christ that we might be taken aback and, and might be, just be in awe of what you've done, Lord God. Uh, that we might look at your plan and say, uh, how? How have you accomplished all this? How, how have you done it? And just be so thankful and so grateful and so, so willing and ready and, and desiring to just revel in it and enjoy it and, and feel the freedom that you've bought us, Lord God. Um, Lord, I pray that for every individual here this morning. And Lord, we just confess, we need your help. We need your wisdom. We need your teaching. We need you to take these words uh, that are just on a page and bring them from just a, an understanding into a real uh, uh, application to our hearts that we might know what to do with it. Um, and so, Father, it's one thing to understand the concepts. It's another thing to learn how that changes our whole life. And so, Father, uh, we pray for your help this morning. Bring, bring wisdom. Bring revelation. Uh, remind us of what Jesus said and what it means and we just ask for that help this morning. If you'd remain standing, we're going to read uh, John chapter 14, verses 15 through 24. In reverence of the word this morning, if I, as I read, would you just read along with me? If you have a Bible there, or it's be up on the screen behind me. Jesus speaking to his disciples. This is, be the, this is the evening that Jesus would be betrayed. This is the day before he would be crucified. And he's there with his disciples, just the apostles there, and uh, is talking to them there in the upper room. But anyway, as he's there, he's telling these incredible things and warning them about a time's coming that he's not going to be present with them. But uh, he's trying to comfort them here and tell them about what's going to be happening. So anyway, in John chapter 15, 14, verse 15, If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. Amen. All right, you be seated, please. All right, um, let me do this really quickly. What does he say very first thing in John chapter 14, verse 15? He says, yes, go ahead, Jonathan. You will obey. Okay, so here's what he says. He says, your love for God, my handwriting is really horrible, I'm sorry, uh, will result in what? Obedience, okay. Your love for God will result in obedience. Obedience to what? 
to Jesus' command. Um, let's pause here and just think for, let's think about this a minute. Now, we're talking about your love and your love specifically for, for God, right, or Jesus. Uh, um, uh, is, it results in obedience. Let me make really clear that sometimes we view Christianity this way. That if I obey, then we think that God will love us more, which it seems like maybe it says a little bit later, but we'll talk about that in just a second. But really what it says here is that, and the whole crux of Christianity and how this actually works is, if we have a love and a growing love for God, then we will not only look more like Jesus Christ, but we'll be more obedient to what he's commanded us. Okay, now the next thing is, what kind of things did Jesus command his followers? Love each other and... Love God. I mean, it really comes down to that, doesn't it? Jesus said it in new ways that people had never heard of before, and people were astounded at the simplicity and yet the wisdom that he taught with. But he says, love God, love people. If you want to love me, if you want to show your love for me, what? Love people, right? If, if you want to show your love for me, then love people. Um, and that's often what, what, especially what John is talking about in, in, the, in the gospel and then also in his, his, his epistles. So as we have greater love for God, we have greater obedience. So Listen, if you have an obedience problem, if you're having trouble following what the Lord God has said to do, if you're walking in disobedience, if you're walking in sin, uh, and yet you're a believer, you have a problem with not obedience, you have a problem with love. This is why at every turn, at every time that we, have, we discover that we've got a problem with sin, the real issue is not that we just aren't trying hard enough. The real issue is that we don't love God enough. Who can solve that problem? I'll, I'll be real honestly, honest with you. Only God can solve that problem. Only God can, can put in that kind of love in our hearts, and all we can do is cooperate with him. Amen? All we can do is cooperate with him. But he says, when you love me, you're going to obey me. It, the result of your love for me it will always result in obedience to my words, right? Okay. All right. Very simple stuff. But anyway, but it, this is not a simple thing. This is something really profound. If you've got an obedience problem, you've got a love problem. Um, let me say it another way. If you are having a problem with envy or you're having a problem with lust, the problem is at that time, you value something more than you value God. Let me put it another way. If at that time and when you're in that sin and even when you lie, if you'll pay attention when you tell a lie, if you'll pay attention when you lust, if you pay attention when you envy, if you pay attention when you covet any of those things, the problem is at that time, you love something more than God. You love something more than him. We call that, in the scriptures, calls that what? Idolatry. Idolatry. That's right. That's right. And it, it is really is a heart issue. It is not a issue with what I'm doing. It's not an issue of my actions. The issue is with my love. I don't have a great enough love for God in my heart, and I need to cooperate with him and ask him for a greater love for his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, amazingly, in John chapter 16, um, Jesus prays. He says, I pray the love that you have. He's talking to the Father. I pray the love that you have for me will be in them. And that, wouldn't that be great? Lord, yeah, bring that kind of love for the Son because I, I need it. I need that kind of love for the Son like the Father has because it's, this is perfect. Amen? This is perfect love, and I need that kind of love in me. And uh, I think the Lord Jesus, I think it, the reason, you know, he prayed about it maybe tells us two things is one is, we need that kind of prayer. The kind of love that the Father has is not naturally in us. It's something that's put there, given to us by the Father that we cooperate with, and we need to be asking for it. Amen? If Jesus prayed it, right, we should pray it too. That's a good thing. Uh, the other thing is, well, I can't remember, but it's not really part of my sermon, so we'll move on. Okay. 
Okay, so anyway, verse 15, if you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor uh, to be with you forever. The word for the Spirit often is, instead of Spirit, instead of using the word Spirit, oftentimes John or, or the other gospel writers will use the, the, uh, the, the uh, Greek term paraclete, which is a, a term of, a, of someone who stands beside you specifically in a legal setting, like you're being charged with something, and the paraclete is one who comes alongside you and helps defend you. It's someone who's a counselor, a friend, a comforter, someone who comes along and encourages and helps you. But anyway, he's the, uh, he is the spirit, the spirit of truth. Interesting that he's called the spirit of truth because Jesus said just a little bit earlier, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So just as Jesus is the truth, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth because they are part of the one and the same God. The word cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Okay, interesting stuff there. So already, already the, uh, the disciples had had some experience with the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. But I want you to notice that, what he says there. For he lives with you and will be in you. So he says, uh, see, he says um, for he lives with you, present tense, and will be with you is, past, is future tense. I mean, notice what he says there. Interesting. Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. All right, so Jesus says, I promise uh, the Spirit is coming, but not only the Spirit, but I also am coming. Uh, and, and will come to you and will be with you. Before long, in verse 19, um, under, if you have that in your Bible, underline that, and uh, I'll have you underline another one here in just a minute. Before long is a really interesting phrase. It comes from the Old Testament. Uh, so Jesus would sometimes, if you, you hear a couple of phrases that Jesus is using, actually what's said in the Old Testament and, 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 and using it to say, what I'm about to say is actually prophetic. What I'm, actually, what I'm about to say is, is like what the Old Testament prophets used to say because this term before long uh, uh, is, was used by, very similar language was used by the Old Testament prophets in the Psalms, in the Isaiah, and in Jeremiah, and, and Hosea, and Haggai, where it was used to, to mean uh, that an optimistic expression of the shortness of time that God would bring about his salvation. It means in a little while. It means only in just a few days, God is going to bring his great work and his great acts. And so Jesus really borrowing from the Old Testament uh, prophet says, before long, in just a little while, God's going to do something great. And it's an optimistic looking forward to and a, and a real faithful look about what God's about to do. And this is really as a flag about what's coming. But here's what he says, before long, and he uses it just as, as clearly as we could, as prophetically as he could, and he says this, like the Old Testament prophet would, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. What he's doing there is he's talking about my resurrection is coming. You will not see me for three days. I will be gone from your side, and you will not see me, and the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me, probably referring to his resurrection. And then he says, because I live, you also will live. Why do we have eternal life? Because we are in union now, because we're believers, we are in union with the one who overcame death. Amen? The Lord Jesus Christ. When we're in union with him, we, we, we get the same stuff he does, and he overcame death. Also, in verse 20, he says, on that day. How many times have you read on that day in the Psalms or one of the prophets? It's used 111 times, that term in the Old Testament, to talk about the day of God's coming or the day of his judgment or the day of his salvation. And Jesus, borrowing from those same terms from the Old Testament prophets, he says, on that day, on that great day, you will realize that I am in my Father. Uh, let's pause there for just a minute. 
on that great day, you will realize that I am in the Father. What day do you suppose he's talking about? There's some, a little bit of guessing, a little bit of controversy about what this means, but probably means on the day of resurrection and the day that Christ appears to them. You remember the, the disciples, you know, would be just like we were, would, would have been back in those days. They didn't get it. They didn't, he told them he was going to die. You know, in John alone, he tells them like 14 times, I'm going to die. I'm going to come back. You'll be sad. It'll be okay. You'll rejoice. And all the end, you know, they don't get it. He dies and they all scramble like, oh, what's happening? They don't, they don't understand, right? Just like you and I would be clueless, right? Um, but anyway, he, he tells them that here and he says, on that day, meaning the, the, the day of his resurrection, they would begin to realize it. They would begin to know it. They would begin to get it finally, really, for the first time whenever he would appear to them after his resurrection. And uh, anyway, so in verse 20, yeah, on that day, and, and remember, he uses that term to say that day. That day is like the day of God's judgment, the day of God's great act. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and listen, and you are in me, and I am in you. Okay, this is part of what we're talking about here. What Jesus is saying here, um, and, and what we share as believers, is that, you know, a, a lot of times since I've uh, been around since I was born, I've always heard evangelicals talk about your, your, the way that you and Christ relate is it's a love relationship, right? Oftentimes in the scriptures, it's, it's, it's known as a union, right? So believers are linked to God in a union. They are joined together by, because of what Jesus Christ has done, and he's, he's bought them for himself, He's purchased them by his blood, and he says, now I, I own them. They're like my possession. Jesus Christ, by what he's done, he has purchased us, and we belong to him. And not only that, but he's done away with our sins, and now we're adopted into God's family, which is all really mind-blowing. But anyway, not that we're, we can't get all that today. But what he's talking about here is now there is the relationship between the Son and, and believers is described as a union or a relationship between the, the son and believers. I don't like the word relationship much. I know it, 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 tran it translates very well in our culture about relationship. We all know what relationships is, but it's not strong enough. What's happened here is something, uh, here we go, I'm, I'm Southern Baptist. This can't be undone. This is something that was done by the Lord Jesus Christ and is secure through all of eternity. And we will, we will enjoy the benefits of being in union with the Son from the day that we come to Christ throughout all of eternity. It's changed everything for us. We're no longer destined to suffer the punishment of our sins. We are now destined to be the sons and the daughters of God when we had been his enemies and we had been part of the judgment that was coming, but he has rescued us and he saved us and he set us apart and he said, now you are mine, you are my beloved possession, you are my sons and daughters, and you and I will, will enjoy the benefits of being united with Christ from the day we come to him until the day that we sing our last in all of eternity, which actually is never going to come, Okay. Amen? It's a pretty good thing. It's pretty huge. This is why we need this, the Holy Spirit's help. To understand what this means is absolutely life-changing. And you guys have been reading in a John over and over again the difference, the distinction between how, Paul, how Jesus talked about it and how John wrote about the world and his disciples are night and day. He says, the world rejected me. They had nothing to do with me. They were going all the wrong direction. I will not, uh, I will not uh, reveal myself to them, but to you, you're my friends. You are my people. 
you are to follow me and you're to act like me and you're going to be like me. And there couldn't be a greater difference between his disciples and the rest of the world because the rest of the world really is, I mean, honestly, we can see it headed to hell in the handbasket, but we are united with Jesus Christ by his work on the cross. Amen. And we'll enjoy the benefits with that. And boy, if we could get a tenth of uh, 1% of what he's done for us, it would change our lives forever and how you act even tomorrow when you go to work. Amen? Okay. Oh boy, is time running short. Okay, 111 times the days used by the Old Testament prophets because what's coming is huge. Um, and look what he says in verse 21. Um, so he says, I'm sorry, verse 20, on that day you will realize that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. Profound work. Uh, yeah, I'll save that for just a second. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He restates what he said in the beginning, right? Who, uh, who has the commands of God is, is the one who loves me. He who loves me, listen to this, will be what? Loved by my Father, and I too will love him. And how does he say, how does he end that? He says what? He will show myself. Okay, so not only, not only do we have this, so as we work through, as we love God, we walk in obedience, and that obedience leads to the Father loving us, and the Son loving us, and the Son doing what? I'm, I like the term reveal because it really expresses what that says. The Son's going to be revealing himself to you. Okay, um, let me try to figure out how to say this. To have a greater revelation of Jesus Christ in your life would be a really good thing. Amen. Amen. To really get him, to really understand what he's about, to really get what it's like to have seen Jesus, to, to have been with him, to understand what he was about, to know how he loved people, to know how he, how he served them, to know how he sacrificed for them, and to know how he did that for you and for me would be a profound thing. And he says, this comes as you love me, you'll obey me. And when you do, there will, be, um, there will be a revelation of the Son to you, and there will be a love for the, for the, by the Father of you and the Son for you. And so look what's happened is that we've become, this is almost heresy, I'm sorry, it just almost is if it weren't in the Scriptures, because it's just so hard to believe except it's true. We have become part of, and I'm not trying to say the Trinity, all right, we have become part of the love relationship but between the Trinity because of what the Son has done and our union with Him. Does our, so basically, the line that I drew a while ago, the barrier that kept believers away from God has been done away with, which is what the prophets all said would happen and what Jesus said would, would happen. The barrier that was between us has been done away with, and now we are in relationship or in union with God. We enjoy the love of the Father and the love of the Son which is a beautiful restoration that's happened for us. No wonder the disciples didn't get it. Can you, can you imagine that, 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 that the Israelites would think that it would ever be this good? You know, that, that after, after the fall, that it could ever be this good again? That we could have the love of the Father, we, we could ab abide in Him, that He would show Himself to us, that the Son would show Himself to us? Um, it's no reason that they didn't get it. But anyway, let's, let's press on here. Um, they would, they would know it. Okay. Um, listen to that. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. Okay, so he love, we love the Son and obey him. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, 
and I too will love him and will show myself to him. That's just a beautiful statement. It's just a beautiful thing that we might know and be loved by God. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, but Lord, why, don't, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? So what we were talking about a little bit ago. Jesus responded, if anyone loves me, he will, what? Obey my teaching? Is, and, you know, sometimes you've got to pay to the rep- repetition, right? <laughs> yeah, here we go. If anyone loves me, he will obey me. Okay. The Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Throughout all of the Old Testament, and, and uh, I can't remember if I kept this in my notes or not. I don't think I did. Throughout all the Old Testament, especially Jeremiah, Isaiah, there's, there's, there's talk about a time would be coming when God would make his home with his people, right? Well, it couldn't happen in so long as his people were in utter sin and darkness, right? Uh, because, right, we wouldn't be able to be in his presence. We would be destroyed. We'd be done away with. Um, but since Jesus has dealt with our sin, we can live with the Father. We can know him. And matter of fact, John would say, to know the Father is eternal life. Um, to know the Father is eternal life. That's an that's a incredible thought. But anyway, um, let me say before we go too far, um, to the union between us and Jesus Christ is not just that we think like Jesus did or we like to think the way the Scriptures did. It really is a shared life. It really is the thought that, what Jesus did, I want to do. Just like Jesus said, I don't do what I want on my own. I do what I see my Father doing. The, use, the words that I use are not my own. They are the words that I've received from my Father. Um, the things that I do, the works that I do, all these things that he said that I do, those are the works of my Father. Not that we should just believe the way that Jesus believed, but listen, that we should do the things that Jesus did, that we should live like he lived, that we, could, we should love the things that he loved, that we should hate the things that he hates, and that we should have a shared life with him. It's really incredibly profound and more than we can get into here today. Uh, but it is that kind of relationship that you and I are, are to have with the Father is a shared life, just as he overcame death and overcomes death for us, that we can have eternal life. We are to live like him because anyone who loves him will live like Jesus lived, right? Uh, it says in the New Testament. So um, let's, uh, let me finish like this. Um, you know, sometimes we view obedience to Jesus Christ like it's traffic laws. There's just a bunch of things we're supposed to do and a bunch of stuff we're not supposed to do, right? And to obey Jesus means, well, you do these things and you don't do these things. Uh, listen, that's just not really what the Scripture teaches. To obey Jesus' teaching would be to love God and love people. Well, how do you do that? You know, you're going to write that down in traffic laws I mean, in some sort of format where you can say, here's the do's and here's the don'ts. It doesn't really work like that. It is a change of heart. It is, is a change of perspective. Is it a change in the things that we value to say that I, I love God, I, I love him above everything else, and I love people like Jesus Christ loved people, forgiving them, bearing with them, uh, loving them, showing them grace. Why? Because Jesus loved them, showed them grace, forgave them, and we should live like he lived uh, and share in the life that we have with him. That is really obedience to Jesus Christ is to be like he is, is to do like he did, is to love like he loved and have a great love and a great passion for the Father and all of the things that the Father has, all of the things that the Father desires. I, I know this is really big, huge stuff. Um, let me wrap it up like this. Let me, let me finish like this. Um, do you know, do you realize what's been done for you? Do, do you get what, what great divide has been gap, has been bridged by the Lord Jesus Christ? 
Do you understand that, that before we were enemies of God, we were under his judgment because we had not honored him as God with our lives. We didn't pursue him. We didn't go after him, but we went our own way, every one of us. We chose our own way, and we brought disdain to his name instead of glory. And in that state, in that place, he died for us and brought us back from sin and death, and what was coming for us was judgment. Do you know what's been done? And not only that, not only did he bring forgiveness of us, but he's brought us a union, a uniting of us with the Son, so that he's bought us and brought us part of him and, and, wanted, and brought us to be part of his life, which is to find eternal life for us. I know this is big stuff. But do you know what's been done for you? Do you realize what's been done? I, I, honestly, I don't do. I don't. I don't entirely get it. I, I don't. I, you know, maybe maybe I understand this much. Um, I, when there's this much more, um, these are good things for us to contemplate and meditate on when you're reading through your scriptures. Is just to stop when you read something like this and say, Lord, help me understand what is it that you've done. Just show me a little bit more. As, as I love you and I want to love you more and you help me love you more and I'm obedient with you would, you, would you show yourself to me? Would you, Lord Jesus, would you show yourself to me so I can understand what you did through your work so that I might get it a little more, so that it might change my life, so I might be a different person tomorrow and next year than I am today because that is the power of the gospel, amen? It is absolutely life-changing. Um, what was lost in, in, in sin, what was lost in the fall has been restored by the Lord Jesus Christ so much so that, the fa- that Jesus talks to, about the Father and he says, we will come and we will make our home with you. We will abide with you. Restoring that which was lost, that love and abiding relationship that we had has been restored. So let me, let me, let me uh, finish like this. You know what this ought to make us want? is a desire to pursue and to chase after God like no other pursuit in this life. Amen? We ought to have a, an intense desire to want to know him, to want to love him, to want to walk in greater obedience to him, to, because of all the things that he's done for us is to just relish in it and you know throw your hands up in the air and just worship and say, show me more, let me know more, let me see you more, let me understand more what you have for me, what you've done for me, and help me to walk better according to the way that you want me to walk. Let me walk in your light, let me walk in your purity, let me walk in the way that Jesus would, let me love people the way Jesus did and increase my love for the Father, increase my love for, for his Son. Uh, it, it ought to be life-changing, amen? Amen. It is, uh, it is unspeakable what he's done for us. It is, it is incredible. Um, so I want to I pray for us and uh, just to ask the Lord to do these things in our life. Lord Jesus, as we contemplate and, and just think just over this short period of time and just covered, goodness, such a, a small amount of what's been done for us, Lord, that, that through the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, that you have restored that love and abiding relationship that existed between us and the Father and us and the Son that existed between us uh, in the beginning that was lost. Lord God, to think that you've overcome that, that you've overcome the, the power of our sin and the guilt, Lord God, by, by the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ is just incredible. And, and, the, and then the idea that somehow we've been united with Christ, that, that somehow the blessings that he receives for all of his work we receive because we've been united with him is just mind-blowing. The thought that we don't have to taste death because he, he tasted death. Uh, the thought that he has an inheritance and, and we have an inheritance because we're united with him uh, is, is just mind-blowing and, and, and gr- more than we can take in. It, it seems, almost, seems almost like it's, uh, it's too incredible to be true. 
Uh, but Father, because it's in your word, we know and we understand it is true. So Lord, I pray for us. Help us to meditate on these things, Lord God, that we might have a greater love for your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that for us. I pray just as Jesus did, that, that the, Lord, the, the, the love that you have for, for Jesus, Lord, put that kind of love in our hearts, that we might love him above everything else, that we might love him more than, our, the, the, than we love the, the praise of people, that we might love him more than our pursuit of things and money, that we might love him more than pursuit of career, that we might love him more than, uh, even more than some of the good things that you've put in our lives, even the, the good things of, of family, that we, we might love you, Lord Jesus, even more than all of those, Lord God, that we might walk in greater obedience, and that greater obedience would, would uh, create a greater abiding of you and, and a, a greater showing of yourselves to, to, to us, that, that we might have even then a greater love for you, and, and that cycle might just complete itself and, and go around and around until we just grow and grow and grow in love for you and grow and grow and grow in love for other people and grow and grow and grow in, in a, uh, uh, a greater revelation of, of you and a greater obedience, Lord, to what you've done. Lord, help us to know what it is to have a shared life with the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us like he did to walk in, in obedience to the Father. Help us to walk in obedience to the Son. Help us to walk like he walked. Help us to love like he loved, Lord God, we pray. Be with us, Lord God. We fall way short of this, and, and we just confess, Lord, we need your help. Uh, we need you to put that kind of love in our hearts that we might follow after you, that we might pursue you like nothing else. Lord, that's our desire. That's my prayer, Lord, for all of us who are gathered here today. We might have a real pursuit, a real desire to know and to chase after and to meditate on the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for all your goodness toward us. Thank you for your grace. It's in Jesus' great name. Amen. Amen. All right. Love you guys. Sorry I kept you a little long today. A lot to talk about. Y'all have a great week. Thanks for being here.